Freakonomics Radio is sponsored by Mint Mobile. The best part of spring cleaning is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash freak. That's mintmobile.com slash freak. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash freak. Upfront payment of $45 required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on their first three-month plan only. Speeds are slower, above 40 gigabytes on an unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Freakonomics Radio is sponsored by Cars.com. Have you heard about the Your Garage feature on Cars.com? Here's how it works. You add your car to your garage to track its market value and cash in when the time is right to sell. Track both your car's historical and projected value. When it's time to sell, easily secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Hey there, I'm Stephen Dubner, and this is a Freakonomics Radio Extra, our full, lightly edited interviews with four members of the San Francisco 49ers offense, quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo, offensive lineman Joe Staley and Mike McGlinchey, and fullback Kyle Juszczyk. We interviewed them for our episode number 350, which tells the story of the 49ers' attempt to reverse their fortunes after a few dreadful years. It's part of our special series called The Hidden Side of Sports. This is one of several interviews with 49ers executives, players, and other football personnel that you can hear in their entirety exclusively right here on Stitcher Premium. This interview, like the others, took place in May during the team's first couple days of preseason practice, or what are called OTAs, Organized Team Activities. We'll start with Jimmy Garoppolo, the quarterback who joined the team midseason last year as they were on their way to losing their first nine games and who took over and helped the Niners win their last five games and was duly rewarded with a five-year, $137.5 million contract. Hope you enjoy. Hey, Stephen Dubner. Nice to meet you. Yeah, yeah. Congrats on everything. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, you're welcome. It's exciting. Yeah, our day's going great. Yeah, really fun. How's yours? Uh, busy. Yeah, it's good. First practice. Was first OTA significantly different from everything else you've been doing here? Um, it was just exciting to get back out there. Really. Yeah. I mean, being a quarterback, you know, running and lifting, it's important. But uh, the practice is, you know, it's it's awesome getting out there with the guys and everything. I bet. Yeah. What would you spend your off season doing mostly? Conditioning, etc. Mm-hmm. Oh uh, yeah, just your normal working out. Yeah. Were throwing. you here? Uh, I was here initially. Went to Chicago for a little bit. Um, for home, go. going. Yeah, I had to see the family and everything. Right. And then uh, we got the deal figured out. Got to got out to L.A. and that's kind of where I do most of my training at. Gotcha, gotcha. All right. Um, so you have about fifteen minutes. We here? Is that right? Yeah. Or more? Three hours? Whatever. We'll take it. Whatever you got. No, whatever you got, we'll take it. Um, if we'll begin, just say I'm Jimmy Garoppolo, and you're listening to Freakonomics Radio. That's what. We- What's up, guys? I'm Jimmy Garoppolo, and you're listening to Freakonomics Radio. Okay. So last year was a wildly 
unpredictable and dramatic um, and successful year for you. Can you just walk us through it quickly from your perspective, starting in New England, coming here mid-season and how it ended? Yeah, uh, you know, it was very unique. I don't, I mean, I clearly have never been in that situation, but it was, uh, you know, exciting at the same time. Just, I went, I took a nap, woke up, uh, just about a hundred text messages, hundred missed calls. And, uh, you know, next thing I knew that next morning, 5 a.m., I think I was on a flight out west of San Francisco. So it uh, it just happened so quickly and suddenly. That's really the way it works. Yeah, and it was three days, four days before my birthday, and it was a, a whole bunch of stuff going on. But, uh, you know, you go through so many emotions initially because you, you don't know what's going on. I've never been in this situation before. And so uh, your emotions are going wild, and then you get here, and now you're learning a whole new playbook. It's like learning a new language. You're meeting new people. You don't know anyone's name. So there was a bunch of stuff going on, but... You know, things really worked out well. Uh, after a week or two, things started to slow down and you get in kind of a routine and, you know, it worked out well. Yeah. Um, so the first call wasn't from your agent. It was like it was in the press before you actually knew that. the deal No, 50 of those calls were from my agent. <laughs> <laughs> How long was your nap? Uh, well, it wasn't that long, I swear. Okay. And, but next thing I knew, I was a 49er and, uh, you know, the rest is history. Do you nap every day? No, I that rare, was rare. rarely nap. That yeah. was rare. You'll never do that again. <laughs> Definitely not during the season. <laughs> um all right, so yeah, so just talk about. Did you have any inkling that you might be traded? First of all, I mean, um, I know teams have been talking about you, mm -hmm. right? There was rumors and everything, but uh, you know, during the season, especially as a quarterback, you're so locked in. There's so many things that you have to worry about for the next Sunday that I really didn't have time to really think about that. My agents would keep me notified, but they know for the most part I'm all football during the season. Right. So, uh, you know, there was rumors and everything. I didn't really, you know, know whether to believe it. Because, I mean, some of the stuff is hearsay, and uh, it turned out to be true. <laughs> um, what do you think and know about San Francisco, the organization, the history coming in? Uh, very rich history. You know, uh, Joe Montana, Steve Young, those guys just, uh, you know, paving the way. And, uh, you know, they went through a little bit of a down downstream there, you know, for a couple of years. But yeah. just uh, the fans around here are pretty unique. Yeah. It's uh, I didn't know that. I'd never been out here before getting traded, so... When I first got out here, though, the fans, uh, the faithful, I mean, they really are faithful yeah. through the thick and thin. Yeah. It's impressive. All right. So of all the weird and wonderful things about the way it worked last year, um, to me, the weirdest is that your agent, you, you share an agent with the guy that you were backing up. Mm -hmm. um, and then we know the drama of... Uh, <laughs> the drama of drama? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. You can tell me as much as you want. I, I only know what I've read, half of which is probably true, but... Um, I don't know what your relationship like was like with Brady. I'm happy to hear you say anything you want to say. If you want to take a pass on it, take a pass. But let's start with that. Yeah, uh, you know, nothing that the media made it out to seem. Mm -hmm. uh, we we always had a good relationship. You know, initially when I was younger, kind of like an older brother type of relationship. But as I got older and uh, you know matured through the NFL, we became closer and we became good friends. You yeah. know, we still text here and there. Uh, Jacoby was a good friend of mine too. Mm -hmm. So the three of us always, you know, we're texting each other and it was, uh, you know, everyone said it was a terrible decision to have the same agent, but, uh, I think it worked out very well. Yeah. And he, they, uh, you know, our agents look out for both of us, both of our best interests, but, uh, you know, it's, at the end of the day, it's the NFL. So it's a business. Yeah. We also read that, um, that Kraft want made it happen or wanted it to happen and that Belichick was against it. Um, tell me what you can about that. Uh, 
not my, I, I didn't know. Did any you hear of from Belichick after? Yeah, he was yeah. he was the one who actually told me that. I mean, my agents told me initially, but then right. uh, Coach Belichick right behind them told me, and uh, we always had a good relationship. You know, yeah. very uh, both of us are very straightforward people. Really, no BS or anything. Right. So. I always appreciated that from yeah. Coach. He yeah. uh, he kept it real with everybody, whoever you were, practice squad or, or the starting quarterback, you know, yeah. and uh, you got to respect him for that. So everything I've read and heard about you coming in, you know, we know the kind of details. We know that um, that Shanahan originally said, let's give him time to get up to speed. You may not even see him play this year. Then, of course, you do come in relatively soon. And then as far as I can tell, you've never actually lost an NFL game that you've started, right? You won two. Doing pretty good. Two with the Pats, right? Cool. Uh, great. Um, um, but um, from everything that we've heard from everyone on the exec side and on the player side, you're some combination of like YA Tittle and Superman and Jesus Christ. Like people just gather around you and love it's a you. Hell of a combo, right? It's there. a pretty good combo. <laughs> um, so tell us, I'm sure you can't be that good. Um, what are some things that you work hard on that you struggle with that you're trying to get better at? As far as what, football uh, or football life? and also being part of, I mean, it's a huge thing. You came in, you won five games in a row that you started, and then you're given what was at the time the biggest contract ever in football got got surpassed, but it's still pretty big. So it's natural for both the team and the fans and maybe even in the league to look at you as a kind of savior. That's a lot. So I'm just curious how you process that or if you mostly ignore it. Uh, you know, for the most part, I just go out and do my thing. Uh you know, everyone sets high expectations and, st- and pr- tries to predict things. But at the end of the day, no one really knows anything or what's going to happen. And, and I set a higher standard for myself than anyone ever will. So uh, I kind of worry about that more than anything. You know, all the outside noise is, is it's just noise. Yeah. So you really got to stay focused on, uh, you know, your, your craft and all the things that we have going on in this building. It's, uh, you know, if you get caught up in all that stuff, you're going to have a tough time. The NFL is hard enough as it is. Yeah. Um, Kyle Shanahan knew you pretty well. He'd worked you out when he was with the um, with Cleveland, right, yep. for the draft. So just tell me about that relationship going back and what it's like now. Uh, you know, we had a good relationship. I met with Cleveland a bunch. They were looking for a quarterback that year, uh, and they ended up taking Manziel. Right. Trading up to take him, right? <clears throat> Did they? Well, that's what There's I read, but then job. I thought, when did Cleveland ever have to trade up to get the twenty second oh, pick? No, seriously. Well, I am a Steelers fan, but still, that's, that's yeah, probably like their maybe that was, <laughs> their fourth first. Yeah, was, maybe that was their fourth. For, sorry. So anyway, we'll, now nah, we'll move on from that. Um, but anyway, so he'd worked you out a yeah. couple times. Yeah, we uh, we had a good relationship from the really from the start. I mean, he worked me out at Northwestern. I remember. And uh, you know, he was a young, energetic coach, and right. we were uh, very similar personalities and. I can remember going home and telling my parents that, and you know, I didn't know where I was going to go or who was going to draft me. But yeah. just uh, you meet coaches throughout the process that you get along with better than others, and me and Kyle had a good connection right off the bat. So again, if you don't know football, um, and you read about the kind of offensive mind he has, and that he just tortures defenses by being dynamic and creative, et cetera, et cetera, can you just talk for a minute about? what that means for you as a quarterback and how that fits for you? It's, uh, I always use complex as the word. Uh-huh. He, it's a very complex offense. Just, um, how so maybe you, a, call a, call a play for us here, for instance, and tell me what each term means. Each term. Uh, oh, gee, we'll be here for a while. Man. Really? Uh, <laughs> so like you could go, um, go North, right clamp, uh, three jet, uh, YCO bow. That's one play. That's a shorter one. Okay. And so it's uh, you know, it's, it tells everyone what to do. 
Um, but at the same time, you could get into different packages where it's one word tells all 11 guys what to do. Okay. And it's just that's the complexity of the offense. And now you got motion moving around. The defense is looking at 100 different things. You snap it all of a sudden, and, and they're messed up, and it makes my job that much easier just by you know, a simple little thing that we did before the ball was even snapped. And that yeah. goes back to the film, the coach's film study and all that. And it uh, it gives me a lot of confidence in the whole offense as a whole. Just you go into that game and, and you know the coaches have done their their studying and done their homework. And it's just uh, it's nice having a game plan like yeah. that. Yeah. Let's assume you turn out to have a really long and great Hall of Fame career. Right. And if you were to look back on like this time now, you're beginning with your, you know, as your starting career. Um, what would you attribute it to? Because there are a lot of guys who physically, I'm sure, are like you or close to you and so on. So what do you think actually makes you successful at this level? Uh, I've always re- you know, relied on the extra work. Uh, yeah. The day ends at 2 o'clock, say, you try to be here till 8 o'clock. You Doing know? what? Any, physical? Anything and everything. Film? Okay. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, one day it could be more physical than mental. You had a hard day something like that now it's more mental and physical yeah it just uh everyone has their own routine and you know being in the nfl for four years now going on five i have a pretty good routine that i've gotten used to and you know during the season it's uh it's a long tough season so you have to have a good routine that keeps your body healthy and keeps your mind sharp for all 16 weeks what are some things you do physically that like uh a lay person could do to keep their body and a, a regular person, oh. not a, not a studly athlete. Uh, well, I do things for quarterbacking, so yeah. it's different than your average athlete. Uh, you know, I, I have to stay loose, um, be able to throw hundred, 200 balls a day, every day. And, um, you know, if you lift a ton of weights and get real right. big, it's, it's tough to do all that. So it's, um, a little different than the normal stuff. Yeah. What's your diet like? Uh, good. Yeah. Yeah. Do take, you cook? Do take you cook pre- for yourself or no? No, they make phenomenal food here. In Florida. <laughs> is that why? Is that why you're here? Uh, like eighteen hours a day? It doesn't hurt, man. It doesn't uh-huh. hurt for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, what your folks do for a living? Uh, my dad was an electrician. He just retired three, four months ago, something wow. like that. Yeah. And my mom was uh, kind of a cook, chef, I uh-huh. guess you could say. Yeah. And uh, she's looking to retire pretty soon too. Are they going to move out here now that you're here? Uh. I don't think so. You have, you have other siblings? I have three brothers. Okay. Yeah. Uh, two of which are moving out here. Oh, wow. And then the third is an architect in Chicago. So he's uh, he's killing it right now. It's it's awesome. And then, but my parents, you know, they, uh, I don't know, we're a very tight-knit family and they like, you know, I don't know, they're they're locked in it and back in Chicago. So yeah. it, it'll be tough to get them out of there. I see. They'll be out here every week though. You is that them. right? Yeah. 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 Um, tell me... Um, you may not think about it yet um, since you're young, but um, a lot of guys come into the league with all kinds of, you know, promise and even success. And then afterwards, it can be a really hard adjustment because you've been doing this one thing since you were six, eight, ten years old and kind of had people taking care of things. Can you just talk about what you think about the afterlife of an athlete? Again, I realize it's not the right it's not the right phase in your life to ask yeah. you this question, but I'm just curious uh, your thoughts. People you've seen do it really well and not well, maybe? Yeah, it seems like, you know, I have no idea for myself. That's hopefully a long ways away. But yeah. uh, it seems like coaching is a way that a lot of guys go. Yeah. I have a bunch of guys that I went to school with uh, at Eastern that, you know, they get into coaching because they miss that that atmosphere, that family uh, yeah. feeling. And so, you know, every one of them that I've talked to is they love it. And they say you get just as, as much joy out of that as you do playing. So. Uh, I don't know. Hopefully that I got a long, long time until I even have to start thinking about that. Yeah. 
Do you have a prediction um, for this season, either in terms of number of wins or how deep you no. get into the playoffs? Do, do you have any idea in your mind, whether you want to tell me or not, of like what would constitute a successful season for you? Uh, or how would you describe it? I mean, there's a million things that go into that. Like what would like at the end of the season, if there are like name three or four things that would need to happen for you to consider this a successful season? Um, I think we have to have a good OTAs first. Okay. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're talking about successful season. We, right. We've had one practice, so right. we got a long way to go. Uh, then we'll get into training camp and that's really where your team starts to come together and uh, you start to see the mold of the team. And, you know, we're just trying to create a good team right now, good standard that we set for each other. And I think we're moving in the right direction on that. Everything I've read from every player says that you're like, you know, the natural leader that people gravitate toward you in the locker room and on the field. Is that something you learn to do? Is it your natural way of being? I'm curious about uh, Yeah, I think, you know, I've never really tried to fake it or, yeah. you know, be, uh, I don't know, someone that I'm not. Because, you know, everyone says this guy's a great leader and you yeah. should be like him. But I think if you start, you know, going out of your comfort zone and doing things you're not used to, Guys, I mean, especially in NFL locker room, they see right through that. They're yeah. not they're not dumb. So you just have to be yourself. Uh, I don't know. I've always thought of myself as one of the guys, and I think that plays a big part in it. Where are you in the in the four brothers, like age wise? Uh, number three. Okay, so when Two you're older. older brothers, are you still in a, in a leadership role, or are you like the little brother that gets uh, <laughs> no, kicked? Little brother. Yeah, I got two older brothers. <laughs> Is that so right? They'll never let you forget it. That's just, <laughs> and I'd be upset if they did. You know, it's uh, I don't know. That's just how we were raised. I'm sure it's maybe a better person having them around, you know, keeping me humble and everything. Well, uh, thank you. Good luck. No problem. Hope Thanks you win a bunch me. of games, win a Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The only thing is, again, here, I do have one issue is that as a Steelers fan, I can't let any team get more Super Bowl trophies than us. And you're one of the few that are. All right. There. So you can get a one <laughs> or two, but we have to keep. So if we can toggle between the Niners and Steelers, that's fine. Yes, yeah. big ben there you go. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, good luck to you. Best Thank you very much. Yeah. No okay. Next up, our interview with one of the larger and more colorful members of the San Francisco 49ers. My name is Joe Staley. I am the left tackle for the San Francisco 49ers. I have been on the team for, this is my 12th season coming up. So only played here in San Francisco. Right. And, and you're uh, easily the longest uh, tenured veteran here. And, the best, long time. and the best looking, yes. Best looking, yeah. yeah. Your nose, I have to say, is... Well, leans right. Say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it leans to the right. Yeah. Yeah, I've been broken up. A couple times. A bunch of times. Yeah. You can do that with the face mask. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I, this funny story. We were in Green Bay, and my uh, I had this old school helmet from, like, you know, 1984. <laughs> uh, Is it legal? It's in the last year of being legal. Uh, mm-hmm. I was kind of grandfathered in. I'm actually switching face masks this year. But in 2000, I think it was 12, they tried to get me to switch face masks. And so, I was trying out this new helmet. And very first game, we're playing the uh, Green Bay Packers. I'm going against Clay Matthews. And... He's a big time bull rusher, you know, kind of just like runs down your face. And my helmet was not fitting properly because it was a new helmet and I have kind of a weird shaped head. And it was just slamming my nose over and over. And there's a bunch of pictures. I mean, the thing was broken and like all the skin from the top, I still got the scar up there, was like flapped open over my over the bridge of my nose. Yeah. 
Nice. It was a miserable game. Uh, so that was broken then. I got broken. We did a one-on-one pass rush back in the college with no helmets for some reason. And I caught a spin move, heavy elbow to the nose. Nose was completely like on the side of my face. Trainer came over and was like, oh, you're good. I was like, all right. Yeah. Seems pretty official. <laughs> it looks good now, so, though. It's, yeah. It's, you've grown into it. Grown into it. I got that big head. <laughs> Uh, so how big are you now? Uh, six foot six. I'm yeah. about 295, 300 295. pounds. 295. Yeah. So when you started, you thought you needed to be heavier. Than, yeah. 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 I came in the NFL. I was pretty light um, out of college. Did someone to... advise you to get heavier or you just thought that was the way to go? When I came out, I came out in 2007. It was kind of going through a transition between like offensive linemen being big bruising like yeah. type players. And I was very much on the you know the light spectrum of that scale of what guys were supposed to weigh when they came to the NFL. And so I just continued to gain weight like I was in college and kind of stopped. I was about 235 or 335 pounds at one point, 330 pounds. Yeah. And, uh, was that was way too big. Yeah. felt miserable. Couldn't move. Basically was losing everything that put me into the NFL Yeah, was my like athleticism and my foot speed. So, uh, one off season, this was like, uh, oh, screw this. I'm going to try to try it the other way. And yeah. What do you have to do to put on that much weight? I mean, I was just eating everything. So, I mean, I was a tight end when I got to college. I was about 220 pounds. And uh, new coaching staff came in. Brian Kelly is not in Notre Dame. Um, he came in and said, you know, we don't have tight ends in my, in my offense, so <laughs> I want you to play tackle. Just gain as much weight as you can. So I was just eating everything. He's like, I don't care what you eat. Wow. Just healthy or not, I was on a college meal plan, basically, and also had, you know, a couple bucks to go get a burger, yeah. you know, $5 pizza Little Caesars, and so I was stuffing my face, and then also I was working out pretty heavily. Um, I would do two workouts a day, pretty consistently on the off season, and then working out every day on top of practices. And also, you're young in college, so you're. Yeah, you never played lineman before that, though. Nope. Yeah, uh-huh. I got taught the position. My and how'd you year. like it when you started? Um, hated it. Hated it at first. No, it was just different, you know. And I wasn't really a. I wasn't a blocking tight end either. I was brought there to catch passes i was fast yeah for my size so uh, it was a transition for me i didn't really know anything and so they, they kind of had a clean slate to work with i didn't have any bad habits as far as blocking and took coaching pretty well and i mean your career has obviously turned out great do you sometimes think i wish i could have stayed a tight end though no i would have never maybe i would have been in the nfl for like one or two seasons, really why well, no i wasn't fast enough uh, know, for a uh-huh. tight end you know i was right. fast for a lineman Right. Not fast enough for a tight end. Right. So I don't yeah. have that explosion with the guys here. Yeah. Have. So for people who don't know football at all, um, left tackle, just describe kind of your um, A, primary missions, mm-hmm. especially re- relating to protecting the quarterback and also like what you actually do with your body. Uh, yeah. So I play left tackle, which is considered the blind side of the quarterback made famous by that movie. Um, hey, a book before a movie. Yeah, Come the book. Yeah, the book. Michael Lewis, right? Michael Lewis. Yep. Um, so I protect the quarterback's blind side. So basically when he's dropped back in a protection, he's a right-handed quarterback. He can't see obviously behind him. So that's why they call it the blind side. Um, and yeah, I mean, my primary job in the run game is to move the guy that's in front of me from point A to point B, whatever the scheme is, whatever the play calls for. Uh, we have a, you know, plethora of different blocks that we have to do. And then, uh, different combinations single blocks double blocks uh you know whatever they are and then in the pass game basically keep the defender from rushing the passer and getting the sack on the quarterback how um i remember 
we used to hear that on average, by position, offensive linemen were the smartest players on a team. Some people would say QB, some would say OL. Um, you know anything about it? I mean, do you feel like is your group particularly because the playbook you you need to not make mistakes? Obviously, yeah, just, it's a different thing. I think quarterback obviously is probably has to know the most. Um, you know, thinking just straight intelligence. Yeah, offensive linemen tend to be you know smarter. Um, I don't know if it's just because of everything. The way we have to break down a playbook, like I have to understand not what I'm just doing as a left tackle, but I have to understand what the left guard, center, right guard, and right tackle are doing, and sometimes also the tight ends. And also the formations, and I have to know where the receivers are and all that stuff. So you have to have a, a heavy grasp of everything, and it kind of ties together, as you know, especially up front, like all five guys playing together, and I have to know the adjustments that we make. So say a defense comes down and they bring in a safety down, that kind of changes our blocking scheme for a particular play. And that all happens within two seconds. So I have to be able to process all that information, know exactly what the adjustments are, what I'm supposed to say, how that affects me, and then also the guy next to me, what my call is to my tight end if I have one not next to me. Um, I mean, that's just on one particular play. Do you make mistakes? Yeah, all the time. During a game? So how many mistakes might you make? In, like, you're one of the best in the game. How many mistakes of, an, of a nature of, you know, actually either an assignment or a pack? So we have, like, you know, mental, you would call them MAs or uh, I don't even know what that stands for. <laughs> mental assignment error or something like uh, that. Yeah. Like misassignment. There it is. Yeah. Uh, misassignments, like a mental error. Yeah, yeah. MEs, MAs. Yeah. Uh, and you're graded on those after every... Yeah, those year. are minimal. You know, those okay. are, right. I think, if you're getting an MA, that's just... Poor preparation on your okay. part. You should have a firm grasp. By the time you get to game day, you should have a firm grasp of you know every single situation that we have, um, what the playbook is, obviously, and um, you know the combination blocks and everything you're going to be making on the football field. But um, you know, technique is a huge part of what makes offensive linemen successful, and that's why we drill, you know, individual drills, and we'll we'll drill like the little tiny techniques of. Where exactly your foot placements are, your foot angles, your your hands, your levers, um, you know, your hip roll in the run game, your what we call pass sets, um, you know, your kick slides, the angle that we work using our kick slides, the hand placement on that, when to use our hands. So those are always like, you know, very very rarely are you going to be perfect. Yeah. You know, and so it's uh, you know I consider those mistakes like you're always kind of like judging yourself of. A, did you do your job? Did you win the block? And then B, like, how can I make it better? Like, you know, well, my hand was late here on this pass set and I didn't get it exactly where I wanted it to be. So, you know, try yeah. better next time. So you've had something like six or seven head coaches in your career this is here? My sixth. You're sixth. Yep. Um, so we can talk a little bit about the, you know, stormy years and then last year, the very bad start and the great turnaround. But um, before we do that, when Kyle Shanahan came in for a guy like you, offensive lineman, how much new is there to learn? And I guess for every head coach, how much new is there to learn? Yeah, every head coach kind of brings something new because they all have a different, you know, scheme that they run offensively um, and a way of looking at the game of football. Um, I've been fortunate and unfortunate to play with so many hook so many uh, different head coaches. And also, I mean, this is not only six head coaches, but eight offensive coordinators. So I've been right. in eight different offensive systems. So I've kind of seen everything. And so when Kyle came in, I knew he was, you know, basically his staple was zone, outside zone, inside zone, and play action. Um, so I was pretty, you know, well-versed in how to attack a defense with that. But what was what I kind of wasn't ready for was is how um, detail-oriented his specific scheme is. Uh -huh. And... 
how um, how everything is pieced together in the way that he kind of sees X's and O's, and the way he sees the football field is pretty different than yeah. typical yeah. Uh, offensive coordinator. So I was really excited just because of his reputation that he's had in the NFL, but yeah. I got a firsthand experience of that pretty pretty quick. So. I can't remember. Was it last year, the beginning of last year, when 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 you were hurt and thinking about retiring, and basically everything was kind of garbage? Was that last year yeah, during the last during year. the losing streak? So yeah. can you just walk us through like last season from your perspective? It was an amazing turnaround, obviously, yeah. and but also you being hurt. I'm just curious to hear. So I had um, I just had a hip impingement, basically something nothing that was injured, um, just mm-hmm. something that was kind of dealing with that was causing my right knee to feel like crap. Basically, huh. um, there was not really a, an injury. There was nothing torn structurally. It was really, really good. But it was just one of those deals that every time I would load that leg up, which I do every single play, there was some kind of, it felt like just basically bone on bone rubbing. And it just got to be really, really painful. And something that I was kind of just dealing with through the season, getting a ton of treatment. I mean, doing everything I can to make make sure I felt as good as I possibly could you on games? game day. No, I didn't miss any wow. games. But just like as far as, you know, what I had to do just get myself through it i was in year 11 i was on my sixth head coach we were i think at this time like oh and seven and was just like you know i had mental lapse of weakness there where i was just you know the adversity kind of got to me mm-hmm. so i was uh yeah you were talking to your wife about it you were you were yeah really- it was the first time that i was just like you know this might be my last year i right. don't know if i can just continue to do this if my body's starting to fail me like this and i feel like i'm doing everything i can it's just not responding like it used to if you'd been winning it would have felt different i assume you know winning kind of heals everything but also it wasn't really that it was just kind of the it was more so just the way my body was feeling. Yeah. Um, and then how did it get better or did it not? It did, actually. It was um, right before the Eagles game. Um, it just kind of released. Oh. Um, I don't know exactly what it was, but it was I was doing... Was it or something? Did no, I was and... doing like a bunch of different like stretches and I think everything was just kind of bound up. And I ended up doing this kind of stretch and it, or like on my own and just was so frustrated. Oh. And I don't recommend this for anybody <laughs> listening, but like... I just really like wrenched down on this stretch and was just like, so it was in a moment of frustration and I was really pissed and I just kind of put all my body weight into the stretch and I just felt like my whole entire hip just went like, and you could just, I could feel it move. And then like it was sore for two days, like really, really sore. And then the knee pain was kind of gone after that. So I think it kind of released. I don't wow. know what it was, but it was. Did uh, you tell your trainer what oh, you Oh, I told everybody. Everybody was <laughs> pumped up about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and do you think the trainer is going to recommend that for future athletes who have a hip I don't know. They, they probably just think that I'm making up stuff just when I'm old. <laughs> yeah, just move your body in weird ways so to tort yourself. When you were at your bottom and like, you know, hurting and thinking about quitting and so on, I know your wife is a former athlete as well <laughs> who high-level soccer player who um, never made the women's national team because of injury herself, right? Is that uh right? So I'm curious what those conversations were like. Um, Obviously, you'd had a long career, but I'm curious what those conversations were like. Well, we didn't really talk seriously about it, you know, but I had seen her kind of go through just when she was done with playing soccer, the league folder that she was playing in. um, And just, you know, some that she was playing consistently and at a high level, um, since she was like six, seven years old, and then all of a sudden to be gone, just kind of seeing that transition. So, you know, when that day does come for me, uh, we had, you know, it's, it was the first time I had actually brought up 
possibly not playing football anymore and uh probably got a little bit scared of just that like even talking about that um, have, do you have thoughts about what you'll do afterwards or? no idea no idea um <laughs> TV? I don't even, you know, I don't even want to. I mean, I don't it. want to jinx it if you're not, if you don't want to go I'm in more, that direction. I'm more of a radio guy, maybe. Is no, right? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I have no idea. Really. You got the nose for radio. I, I definitely do. I definitely <laughs> do. I, uh, I don't know. You know, I don't know. I haven't really thought, I haven't really yeah. thought about yeah. that too much because I don't know. I just don't want like my mind, the way my mind works, I'm very structured and I have to like very stay in, I have to stay in the moment. And so yeah. if I start thinking about like setting myself up for life after football and I'm just worried that I'm not going to be as focused as I need to be. You know, let me ask you this. It's obvious now that a lot of former athletes, even those who make quite a lot of money when they're done, often not done at a time of their own choosing, all of a sudden, like they don't have a, a career, a, a career. Yeah. And they don't. They often don't have anywhere near as much money as they kind of thought they would have, or they didn't take care of it well, et cetera. But one of the conflicts, I think, is what you just said, which is when you're an athlete, you want to devote all your mental energy to being good now. Yeah. So, do you have any advice for athletes or for people who are trying to help athletes in the afterlife? How do you balance that? You know, do your job now, do it well, but also try to think about preparing for the yeah, future. Yeah, I'm probably not the best person for that because, like I said, I mean, I'm not really setting myself up for life after football. Uh-huh. Um, but you're in good, you're making enough money unless you're a total fool with it, which you seem like you're not, you're going to be fine. Yeah. There are a lot of people who earn, I know. right? That's the, yeah, that's the, the conundrum there is, uh, where, where do you, like you said, you want to set yourself up for, for success after football and use this avenue to kind of propel yourself into something that is beneficial for you. Um, when this is all done, because it's, I mean, it's a short part of our life right here. You know, I've been fortunate enough to play for going on 12 years. And even then, if I retired this, I mean, I'm still 33, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, so I have hopefully a large chunk of my life left. Um, have you ever been a player rep on your team or are you now? No, yeah. uh, I'm but, not. Yeah. Um, but like if you were, if the PA came to you and said, listen, Joe, you've had this amazing long career. How would you suggest that the more at the median player, the guy who's going to be in for three or four years and who earns maybe four to eight million dollars, which sounds in the beginning like a lifetime, but it's not. How would you know? Do you have any advice? The PA does a great job of setting us up with programs and stuff in the offseason of, yeah. of trying to take uh, advantage. I mean, that's all to the players as well, though, you know, and that's more of the thing that you know, you, what you said is you know, for me personally, like I have two young kids. Um the off season is my time to really hang out and be a dad. And, you know, I love spending time with them and love being with them. And all this stuff is kind of set up for, you know, a week, two week programs. And I just don't want to sacrifice that week and potentially just hang out with my kids, just go and, you know, go to broadcasting boot camp or whatever it is. And, um, you know, I feel like this is kind of like on the job training too, for that stuff. So, I mean, I try to take this stuff seriously as what I'm doing is just, this could be a potential avenue for me down the road and something and broadcasting or something like that. But, um, as far as taking advantage of the programs, I'm probably yeah. the best person to talk about. Yeah. That. All right. So go back to last year, losing, uh, nine in a row. You'd never, had you ever been on a team in your whole athletic career where you lost nine games in a row at anything? Well, the year before that we went two and 14. Yeah. True. So right. yeah. All right. we had a rough, rough role there yeah, for yeah. a couple of years. Yeah, and I think yeah. that was what it was coupled with too. You know, right. with my body feeling bad, we're coming off a two and 14 year new head coach again, kind of going the 0 and 7 route as we were going at that point in uh, the season last year and was just kind of oh I just don't want to be a part of a rebuild again and this yeah, is like yeah, you yeah. know 
maybe this is farther along than I thought, but it's not, you know, and I think that we have a really good thing going here. So we keep hearing from players and execs that even at 0-9, the locker room was good. The building was, you know, positive. It was. It sounds like everybody but you. You it sounds like but no, this yours was, me, was more about personally. This was me personally. Right. The locker room, and I was pretty, I mean, I was pretty vocal about this with the media here was something I'd never like seen before in my career. I mean, in 11 years, I haven't seen a locker room that was going through the adversity that we had gone through last season and still stayed so solid and together. There was not the, I mean, I was on teams where we were 12 and four, 13 and three, and we had more division in the huh. locker room than we had last year at 0 and 9. How do you, so, how do you? And then we had a game when we won against New York Giants and I was like celebrating it. It was like, <laughs> it was like, I mean, I even had a quote in the paper here. It was like, I felt, this felt as good as when we won the NFC championship game because I was just so like deserving for all the guys in the locker room to yeah. like have that success, to stay with it. And um, I think that was kind of how, one of the huge reasons why we finished the way we did. How do you account for that positivity? I mean, obviously the coach, everybody, yeah. I, I'm guessing guys like you also played a big role, but still it's hard to be 0-9. and It did, yeah, It's very trying, and I think it definitely starts with leadership up front. You know, it starts with, with John. It starts with Kyle, you know, the kind of culture that they set. Um, the way they come to work after a loss, you know, they kind of set the table for everybody else. And then, you know, it's up to the veteran players as well to kind of go out there on the practice field and, and keep working yeah. every single day and kind of setting the example of how you work through it and, uh, you know, not pointing the fingers. And yeah. We had a really good room as far as that goes. And then and we had a really cool uh, rookie class last year, too, that just didn't, you know, take an easy way out. They just kept on uh, – Kept on working really, really hard, so it was fun to see. It do all you kind think, of came together. Do you think that had anything to do with the kind of uh, people that John was looking for in his rookie draft? Yeah, I think it definitely did. I think it was – I mean, you saw that right away when those guys came in. They were guys that were not so much about being an NFL football player, but they enjoyed the work of yeah. being an NFL football yeah. player, and football meant something to them. And, um, you know, that's one of the hard things to figure out about guys coming out of college now is because they're so – program to say what they think they're supposed to be saying to the executives and the head coach that really don't know you know what yeah. you're getting and they i think they did a tremendous job of figuring out you know who the right guys to bring in and, yeah you know we all across the whole entire draft class last season we had guys that really performed um mcglinchy uh is the giant uh excuse me mcglinchy is the niners uh, number one pick this year he's a giant too he is a giant yeah, he's, he's a giant man all right so we've been reading that you have been very helpful taking him under your slightly less giant wing yeah um and this is an amazing thing to people outside of football where you know you've got guys on a team who are working with their ultimate replacements um, and yet trying to help him. Now, I'm guessing you in your 12th year, it's a little easier. If you were in your fourth year, you, yeah. he, he might be a little bit more of a threat. I'm curious if you could talk about that whole dynamic for a second. Yeah, and it's a little bit different, too, because we have two different positions. You know, he plays right side, I'm playing left side. But ultimately, he's ultimately, designed to move draft, over, right? Yeah, hitting okay. a draft, ninth right. overall, they go play right, right tackle right the tackle. whole career. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to – we're all trying to win games here. So, I mean, it doesn't matter if, if I'm feeling insecure about my job that I can't help a guy that's coming in. Um, I mean, that's on me. And I'm when not, you I'm came not in, doing something. When you came in as a rookie, did you have guys who theoretically could have felt threatened by you, but who, uh, but yeah. who helped you out a lot? Yeah, we had, um, we had a good room. Um, it wasn't, we didn't have like an established guy. 
I mean, I was I came in and was competing right away. Yeah. Um, you know, I kind of got drafted to take someone's job. Yeah. Um, so that was a little bit different of dynamic, but it was never like, you know, there's another. There was no like weird tension in the yeah. room about yeah. that. Um, you know, I just feel like. I don't know. I'm trying to teach him everything I know. I feel like it's my duty as a as an offensive lineman that's been in this league for a long time to try to you know accelerate his progression as a as a football player. And I'm just trying to teach him everything I can. And it's up to him if he wants to listen. If he doesn't want to listen, um, and he figured out himself. And that's kind of what I did too. Is yeah. Figure out what works best for you. But you know, I'm not gonna if he if he wants to ask me anything, he can about the NFL, the NFL life. You know, you know how to take care of your body off the field. You know who to. You know, associate with who not to associate with um, all the stuff that comes with you being an NFL player. I mean, I'm more than wel- welcome to, yeah. more than willing to help him out there. So at the end of the season, winning the last five, um, a QB who obviously was you know performing really well, hopefully long term. What did that feel like for you? Like on the one hand, you were a six and ten team, which isn't very good. On the other hand, y- you go out with a five game winning streak, and you are feeling better. Yeah. So what was your kind of mind like during the off season and then now preseason looking toward uh this year how optimistic how realistic et cetera, et cetera. yeah i mean it was huge for our team last year to finish the way we did um you know jimmy coming in really made a huge difference for us thought he played at a high level you can see why you know we gave up you know draft pick for him signed him to a big contract this off season he's he's the real deal every way um but i think the the trap is too is to Look at that last season, those five games that we ended up with, and think that we're just going to show up and do that, do that again this year. I mean, every season I've been a part of it for a long time. Every season is a brand new season and brings a lot of different challenges and uh, different situations that you have to deal with, uh, whether it be injuries or you know another team in the division stepping up or. You guys had a lot of injuries last year, didn't you? We did yeah. last couple two years actually. Yeah. We've had a lot, had a lot of injuries, a lot of guys going IR. Um, so, I mean, that's just the thing is taking it one day at a time. And I think we've done a good job of that this offseason so far. Um, Were you a big fan of Richard Sherman in previous years? No, because he was on the other team and he was so good. But I think that was part <laughs> of the reason why I wasn't because he was so good at what he did. Yeah. You know, he's so frustrating to go against because you kind of knew that that side of the field is always going to be kind of taken care of yeah. whenever he played the Seahawks. So i uh, super excited to have him on our team, obviously. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think he's a great person, great player. Um, he brings a ton of veteran leadership to the locker room and, Especially in that DB room that we have right now, it's uh, it's a young room, and to add him as a, a veteran voice in there is I mean, nothing but positive. How many games uh, would you need to win this year to consider it a successful season? I always just think of it as a Super Bowl. You know, yeah. I mean, even the years that we were you know, looked at on paper as not being a good team, I've always just thought that's a goal. I mean, yeah. it should be the goal every single year. And um, but I never really have gotten into like what the win is, yeah. what the predictions are, because I mean that's our goal every single season and. At the end of the day, too, it's just what you can do today to better yourself to to get to that goal. So um, you're probably the only guy here, maybe a couple, who lost the Super Bowl, right? Yeah, uh, me and Garrett Selleck, I believe, are the yeah. only two left, right? Um, I think Selleck. Wow. Yep. Um, what's that feel like? Losing the Super Bowl or being the one of the last two? No, losing the Super Bowl. Oh man, it sucked. It was. Oh, that's like the worst day of my life. Thanks for bringing that up. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, we were so, the way we did it too, it was yeah. just, uh, it's still very fresh in my mind. Um, yeah. You know, we were we were down big early and then had that big comeback in the second half yeah. and then had that drive in the fourth quarter, kind of time was running out. We had first and goal from the seven-yard line, thinking that we we're going to go in. We were the best rushing attack in the NFL and, you know, we passed it four times. So 
Mm. Or three times. We ran it the first time. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and then lost. So, I mean, it just sucked because we were so close. I mean, you just taste it. You know, that victory was so close, but it wasn't meant to be. So, I think here that, I am and I play till I'm 20, you know, <laughs> um, 20 more years to try to win a Super Bowl. Uh, so, I have to say, I admire you as a football player. You seem like a fine human, but what I really, really, really like is I find your musical performances. Oh, gosh. Are, yeah, I go. think your Hukuna Matata is yeah. the finest I've ever heard. Thank you. It's absolutely extraordinary. So I would be so honored. Just the you want a Hukuna Matata I'll take Matata some Hukuna. Right I'll, I'll take whatever you... I, I mean, know. I know you've been working hard. You just came in from do, a two-hour practice. Do you practice. like Moana? I don't know Moana. All right. Well, I, I don't. What's, I know Moana. What's your... Uh, <laughs> What's your repertoire? What do you got? Oh, I got so I got a four year old daughter who's obsessed with Disney songs, right. and so that, that's my repertoire right yeah. now. Yeah, um, and Moana is her go to. Uh, I'm sure I love Moana. Um, it's really up to you. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I see what's happening. Yeah, you're face to face with greatness, and it's strange. You don't even know how you feel. It's adorable. Well, it's nice to see that humans never change. Open your eyes, let's begin. Yes, it's really me, it's Maui, breathing in. I know it's a lot, the hair, the bod. When you stare at a demigod, what can I say except you're welcome? For the time that's All right, I'm going to do it in Makuna Matata. By the way, you know who sings that, Stephen, in the, in the movie? I don't. The Rock. The Rock. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. All right. He better watch out. Hakuna Matata. What a wonderful phrase. Hakuna Matata. Ain't no passing craze. It means no worries for the rest of your days. It's our problem-free philosophy. Hakuna Matata. There you go. <laughs> Extraordinary. Ladies and gentlemen, Joe Staley, left tackle for the 49ers in future um, musical theater. Uh, I've got gadgets and gizmos aplenty. I've got who's it's and what's it's galore. You want to think about Bob's? <laughs> I got, is it 20 or plenty? Wait, wait, I got have, 20. You don't have kids. What are you doing? But who cares? No big deal. I want more. Can't believe there's a question about what you're doing uh, after football. It seems obvious. Children's theater, right? (laughs) Yeah. Pleasure, and I thank you very much. Yeah, thank you very much. I I wish you uh, a very successful season. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks so much for coming in. I've listened to you guys all the time, too. Oh, thanks. Appreciate it. And here now is our conversation with the brand new 49er and giant of a man that Staley was talking about, offensive tackle Mike McGlinchey. You are going to be starting here playing right tackle, I understand. Yes, yes sir. Yep. Uh, migrating eventually to left tackle, probably. And if that's their plan. That's what they I'll say. I'll do whatever they say yeah. they need me to do. So here's the thing. We always hear, like, obviously you're, you know, first-round draft pick, so nobody's trying to bury you. But we do hear the stories about how veterans who are trying to, um, you know, theoretically make welcome um, young guys at their positions um, sometimes aren't as welcoming as they might be. I know that you've been getting a, 
you know, um, good advice and welcome from Joe Staley. I'm just curious, like what your expectations were and so on on that front. Yeah, I really didn't know what to expect because I've heard a lot of different things. Um, I came from an old line room that um, was completely the opposite of that. We uh, at Notre Dame, we always helped out everyone that came into the room, no matter what age you were. You were always, you know, welcome to the part of the family. And fortunately here um, in San Francisco, I've had the same experience thus far. I mean, it's a, um, an awesome group that we have and there hasn't been anybody that's making you feel like crap or anybody that's <laughs> making you pay your dues too hard other than, you know, a couple jokes here and there. But, um, no, it's, it's been an awesome experience with all the vets, all the guys that we have in our room and, um, everybody's just trying to do, uh, the same job. And, and that's the, is there block. any rookie hazing anymore? Uh, nothing that I've experienced. I mean, we're only, we're only in day two of practice. So wait, I'm assuming I'm waiting till training camp. I'm, I still have my guard up a little bit. So (laughs) yeah, even in two weeks, I still have a little bit of a a guard up to see what's coming. Uh, you're how tall? About six foot eight. And you're weighing what? Like three, 10, something Uh like that. Yeah. And, uh, what's, uh, what's your optimal weight? Is that about? Yeah, right there. Mm -hmm. What's your, what's your shirt? Is it? Uh, Yeah, it's at West Point. Point. A family friend of ours plays basketball up there. I see. They had a, uh, I think. They missed, bought I a uh, 2XL, so I, I was the one guy that they knew for it, yeah. Um, you come from a big family, four brothers, one sister, something like that? Yeah, four brothers, one sister. I'm the oldest of six. Okay. Uh, yeah. Are they athletic? Yeah, yeah. Um, nothing, uh, I don't know, we'll see. They're all younger than me, so okay. I don't know if anybody's going to make it to the NFL, but yeah, yeah they're, they're, they definitely play their sports. Yeah, yeah. Um, so how many games have you missed due to injury in the last ever years? Never. I've never missed a game. Yeah, yeah there's uh, always, ever since, unless there was like a family obligation when I was in like in first or second grade, but I can't remember that. Yeah. So, But um, since you play football, presumably you've been a little bit injured. Um, what yeah, are, what you know. Are, what are some of the things you've played through? Uh, sprained left ankle, stomach flu, uh, broken hand, you know, a couple nicks every other way. So yeah. nothing, nothing major. Was the broken hand something that most sane people would have not played with or... Uh, it depends on how much you love football, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, can you explain, especially for people who don't care or know anything about football at all, like what's your job? My job is to uh, open up running lanes and keep people off of Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm-hmm. So that's all I can really, that I'm just, I just kind of get in the way is really what <laughs> I, my job is. Yeah. Um, so the paradox, or I guess the, maybe it's not a paradox, it's the, the, the hard thing to come across as someone with your size um, who's also fast and coordinated and a good athlete. Um, so there aren't that many of you to start with, but then there are a lot of people your size and speed who don't make it. So what is it you think that is the difference between people who are physically capable and who are gifted with the size, but who don't have the capability to play at your level in college and now in the NFL? Well, I think it's it's all mental, I think. I think it's about how much... You want it, how much you love it, and how much you're willing to sacrifice for it. Um, I was never the best athlete on my team. I was, I'm, I'm still not the best athlete on my on my team here, um, but I've always wanted it more. I've always worked harder than everybody else, and, and um, just attention to detail and the things that y- you need to know how to self-correct. You need to know how to learn, and uh, I was always pretty good at learning. So the faster you can do that, and and com- combined with you know really really truly wanting something that bad um that's what separates everybody Can you give me an example of that like i like football i've liked football my whole life but like i really don't know when you talk about learning how to learn in your positions give me an example of a particular thing 
that you've gotten better at maybe over the years and how you figured out how to get better at it? I think it's just fundamentally and how to move. Uh, playing offensive line is one of the more unnatural yeah. human movements <laughs> on earth in sport, I think. Um, you're required to move other large men out of the way. And when you're trying to stop them in pass protection, you're completely moving backwards. So it's a, it's a different, it's a really, really different thing to have to learn how to do. And, uh, until your body can feel it until you can watch it on film and self-diagnose right when things happen, um, that's where the separation comes in. So when you watch yourself on film, what do you, uh, what do you look for? What do you learn from? Do you see, like, do you look at for a case where if you've been beat, what you were doing, were you bent wrong you know um well you know when you get beat and you're at this level you know why pretty much immediately um you're just looking at it to look at it and visualize it have how not to do it again when you say why does that mean because it's you or because it's the other guy was was i'm pretty convinced that offensive unless you're getting an absolute freakazoid yeah all defensive players are playing off of what you do so if i can control what i can do better than the other guy, then I'm going to be in a better position. Right. Yeah. What about um, just confidence? Um, Does it ebb and flow for you? Um, I think it it is when you're young. Uh, When you first starting out at a major level of football, like it did at Notre Dame for me, uh, my first couple of years, I I certainly didn't believe that I was going to be what I became to be. And um, I'm still not, I don't think, what I want to be. So it's always a a learning process of of continuing to move on and, and, and continue to get better and um you know definitely confidence weird it waves a little bit when you're young and, and mistakes constantly are happening but um when you get to this level if you're not confident you're probably not going to be able to you know yeah. do your do your job but that said i mean there are a lot of guys who get drafted first round who don't work out there are a lot of guys who are undrafted well maybe not a lot of guys who are undrafted but they're undrafted guys who do become great players become hall of fame players how do you, you know, how do you account for that? I mean, how, how I think yeah. that a lot of guys come from smaller situations or different situations in college that they, that some of the undrafted guys that, um, you know, had a, had a tough situation in college, came from a smaller school, yeah. had other people producing ahead of them at their school and, you know, they're late bloomers. And then yeah. once, once they get their shot and, and eventually some, if you really truly want it, a, a, a flip will switch inside of you to make it, make sure it happens. And, um, I think, Sometimes first round things, there's a lot of, especially in today's day and age, there's a lot of media, a lot of media mm-hmm. attention. And if you play at a big time program or if you have a lot of media attention behind you, you, you know, you're kind of pressured into making picks that um, necessarily aren't the best ones. And um, it's a mixture of misinformation of, of first round guys, of who they are as a person and what they can do as a player. And I think some of it's probably a little bit of complacency as well. Being a first round pick, there's obviously a huge, you know, pride or badge of honor associated with that. Um, but on the other hand, especially when you come into your team now and you were your team's first pick this year, what kind of pressure does that put on you? I'm not really worried about the pressure. Um, and I think that's one thing that I learned greater as college went on. And, um, you know, once attention starts getting towards your way, then expectations just continue to grow and and. and you should look at expectation as something that you've earned. Um, and I, I think that's something that I've always tried to do is, 
is if people are expecting the highest and most production out of me, then I've done something right along the way yeah. to get there. So I just got to stay true to what I'm doing and stay true to who I am and, and good things will happen. If I recall, and I may be wrong, so pardon me if I am, um, you were not contacted by the Niners um, and, uh, during the run-up to the draft, is that so right? So I had one formal interview with them at the Combine for 15 minutes long, and that was the only contact that I had. And then the we should, and then you probably had contact with a lot of other teams as a well. A lot right? of other teams, yeah. I had I, you know individual workouts where coaches came to my school. Uh, I, I was flown to, you know, some of these teams were three or four different visits with them. And, and, you know, sometimes it's just all facade and they're trying to play a hand with other teams or sometimes it's really, truly invested interest in you. But yeah, um, yeah, I think that uh, I'm lucky because I love the situation here. I love the, where this organization is at and, and, you know, the area that I get to live in now is pretty sweet too. So did they not, I mean, you always hear these cat and mouse games that a team won't contact a guy like you because they don't want to tip to other teams that they're interested in you. Do you did you talk about that after the fact with well, John? I, I didn't. I didn't talk about it necessarily. I did a little bit with Kyle because he had had a. Uh, um, he was joking around with me because he was so close with my cousin Matt, who, right. who was his quarterback for two Your years. Cousin, and Matt Ryan is yes. one of the best quarterbacks in the last whatever ten. Yeah, he's done a pretty years. good job. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Kyle and him were pretty close, and he didn't even tell Kyle You're that they kidding. were interested really? just because he didn't want it to get back to either me or somebody else. Why? Um, well, just so that things didn't happen unpredictably during the draft. So they don't lose you to someone else. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so how surprised were you? Who, who'd you get the call from, John or Kyle? John was first, and then Kyle was right after him. Yeah. yeah. So um, as soon as Roquan Smith was announced for the Bears, I, my phone rang, um, and it was John Lynch on the other line, and i um, pretty excited. I didn't yeah. expect it to happen, um, <laughs> but it was it was pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, this team has obviously had a pretty eventful last, well, like 50 years, but the last, uh, you know, five, eight, ten years, particularly some good and a lot not so good. Um, what's it feel like to be coming onto a team? Obviously, you've got your stuff to take care of, um, but this team is in turnaround that started out really bad last year, then ended up really, really good. I'm just curious what you think of as like, what are you going to contribute to that turnaround? Well, I hope to continue to do my job and, and, and to the best of my ability and at the best ability in this league to, you know, help the 49ers win games. The only three goals that I've ever had in my uh, uh, my career of playing high-level football is to help my team win, be the best at what I do, and then, you know, the third one is be the best offensive line unit, that, in, I guess, now in the NFL. It was yeah. in, in, the, in the nation in college, but now it's in the NFL. Yeah. Um, you were captain of Notre Dame two, tw- twice. Two, twice, right? Yeah. What are some duties associated with that that the public might not know about? Um, I don't know if there's anything, you know, everybody knows what a captain does, I think. Yeah. it's just You're not like, doing bed checks. No, stuff. I mean, if it's needed, I would have. But <laughs> we, had, we, we had a pretty good group of guys in Notre Dame that, you know, it, was, it wasn't, it wasn't there, we had some hard times there in my true senior season. We went four and eight. It was a hard season. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, it's just the normal, be a good teammate, set yeah. the example. And if anything that needs, needs to be said that needs to be said, you say it. Yeah. Uh, how many calories do you eat in a day? Do you know? I don't count. I just try to eat what's right for me. And, and I know my body at this point of what I need to eat to keep weight on or if I need I, – I, I haven't really ever had the feeling of needing to lose weight. But yeah. um, So to get my body to feel and look the best that it can, is, yeah. I, I know what I need to do. Yeah. So I weigh like 172. Do you think you could like break me? Um, it depends on where we're going. Like, I, don't, I, I, don't know if, <laughs> I don't know if I could – 
break you on a football field, but if I like, if we what try, if just throw me up against the wall here. You th- I don't know if like, I have that. I don't know if I have that killer instinct in me to just oh, really? do that. Yeah, you mean right now? Yeah. Well, on the, if I step between white lines, it's a little uh, different. I'm just curious, like literally, what a guy of your strength and size could do. Like you could pick me up and put me through this wall, though, right? Yeah, but normally, um, offensive linemen are the best guys on the football I, team. I, so, no, I know that. I know yeah. that. You're also we the know, smartest. Know, by that's the thing with football. It's it's a it's a dangerous game. It can. It's hard. It's hard to live through, and it's hard to be able to flip that switch. And some guys, you know, unfortunately, aren't able to 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 have as distinct lines with that. And but um, the good ones do, and the best guys do. And it's it's a matter of you know when it's time to work, it's time to work, and you have to have that edge to you. But you know when you're in everyday life, you're no better than anybody else. It's really interesting you say that. I, I, uh, I a sports journal, a really good sports writer once wrote um, this thing that captivated me about sports because I've been a sports fan for a long time. And he said, when athletes get in trouble, everybody says, oh, you know, they, they kind of make more of it than than is normal. And he said that if you think about it, sports, you're encouraged to do all these things that you're, you're not allowed to do. Yeah, you're supposed to be big and mighty. You're supposed to be the as you know, there's supposed to be a different aura about you right. when you cross it, when you get onto a field that it's yeah. not normal for society. So yeah. it, it definitely, um, it, it's a hazy world if, if you, if you can't manage yourself, but you know, I've never had that. Well, you seem, I mean, plainly your record is, is we know that you can manage yourself. Have you had guys on your team, Notre Dame, let's say, who you saw were having a hard time drawing that line and tried to help them? Yeah, I think it's 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 not as much of a physical thing yeah, yeah. as it is mental. Um, you know, when guys get a little too big for their britches, you got to bring them back a little bit. Or, or if they're just non-responsive, then you got to figure out a way to, you know, probably get them off your team. Yeah. So, um, like I said, you know, you, you're a great football player. You can, we can all be great football players, but in the end of the day, we're no better than anybody else. We have a, we have a job. Other people have jobs that they do. So it's just our line of work. You know, it's a different, just a different field of work. Yeah. Uh, I thank you very much, and I hope you have a great first year, and I wish you all success. Next up is Kyle Juszczyk, a fullback about to start his second season with the 49ers. Just got done doing some brain training. What is brain training? So we've been uh, doing some stuff with this company called NeuroPeak Pro. That um, I mean, it started off as you just working on some different breathing techniques, syncing it up with your heart rate. Um, but now we've kind of moved on to a more advanced part of it, where um, you're working on putting your brain in a parasympathetic state. I don't want to get too. What's that? I mean, I kind of know what the word means, but I don't know so how. Basically, like get you out of that fight or flight sense where um you know a lot of us you we could just be sitting in a room like this and for whatever reason your brain is in that fight or flight state and it can't calm down and it can't get into this recovery mode so um we do this thing where we like we watch basically you're you're hooked up um your these uh sensors are reading your brain waves and depending on how they're reacting while you're watching a movie, that movie will either shrink or pause or brighten. And it's kind of like giving your brain feedback on how it's supposed to act wow. and kind of put you back into a better. This is over multiple sessions over yeah. multiple days or something. Yeah. So I'm uh, right now I'm, I'm trying to log, uh, I think it's 15 hours worth of training and I'm about 12 hours in. 
Uh, how many other guys on the team are doing this? I don't know how many players. Do you know? Probably like six. So it's voluntary. Yeah. And why do you volunteer? Uh, well, I had a concussion last year, and so um, this off season, I kind of made like a or I decided that I wanted to put a lot of uh, energy towards my brain this off season. Yeah. So this was yeah. something that uh, I came across and jumped on it. Interesting. Um, how so? You're like 12 hours into yep. your, and what happens when you become like proficient at 15 hours? Can you hypnotize? <laughs> well, I'll get a reassessment at 15 hours, yeah. um, and we'll kind of see you know where my brain is at. But I've already seen the benefits of it, where um, anxiety levels have gone down um, big time, huh. sleeping well, and uh, I already feel like I'm processing information wow. faster. So now. It's how do you persuade yourself that that's not all placebo? Oh, I know. Yeah, that's definitely something, um, you know, you have to watch out for. But I mean, I'm, I mean, even, even if it is, is that's right. what I always yeah, yeah, say about yeah. the right. placebo right. effect. Even if none of those supplements of in course. my locker work, or right. technically work, yeah. if in my head they are, then they are. <laughs> have you, has it translated all into playing football? Well, I mean, today was only our second day of practice. Yeah. Um, I mean, I want to think that I was processing things visually quicker today. So, I mean, hopefully. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's back up just since we didn't get it. Would you just say your name and what you do? Yeah. Kyle Juszczyk, fullback for the uh, San Francisco 49ers. Okay. You happen to go to Harvard. Yep. Don't um, use that against me. Today. I won't use that. <laughs> uh, how many Harvard um, alum are in the NFL these days? You'd you know? be surprised. There's quite um, a few. I think we have somewhere in around like 12 maybe. Really? Yeah. yeah it's a yeah. good amount. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So your career, you started Baltimore, correct? Yeah. First four years Baltimore. Yeah. Then one year. No, four oh, years Baltimore. This is my second year. Okay. Then here. Okay. All right. So you came in just in time for all the fun here. Yeah. Right. So you were coming onto a team that had gone two and fourteen the year before. Yeah. And then last year was the dawn of a new era. Yeah. Um, just walk me through your process last year with yeah. 09 and so on. Um, I mean, it was it was an interesting deal. Uh, went into free agency, and you know that's an interesting thing in itself. Just not exactly knowing where you're going to be. Um, you know, I. I had just I just got engaged, so oh, I was trying to figure out. You know, thank you. You're married much. by now, I assume. Right? Not yet, actually. Wow. Long That's engagement. A long engagement. We got a we got a date set for uh, right. uh, this next summer. Off season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, just you know, working with that, having you know to uh, figure out where she's going to be coming with me, and um, but I mean, everything worked out great when uh, you know my agent went to combine. He's talking with a lot of different teams, and. Uh, got a sense that San Francisco was really interested and the idea of coming out to California, uh, the idea of playing for Kyle Shanahan, uh, were two really, uh, great ideas to me playing for John Lynch, a former player. Did you know any, did you know much about them other than what you, you know, kind of, I knew a lot about Kyle. Um, because when I was in Baltimore, there was rumors that, uh, we were going to hire him as an offensive coordinator and he's kind of from that Gary Kubiak, uh, tree and that offense fits me very well. And I had a great year when Kubiak was my offense coordinator. So I was excited about that. Um, definitely knew who John Lynch was, remembered him as a player, and just liked the idea of a former player running the organization. Yeah. I thought that yeah. was really cool. Yeah. So then when they when you first heard that they were interested in you, did you did you have pause um, about the Niners considering that they'd had some rough years? 
Yeah, I mean, that was something I definitely had to consider um, was coming to a team, you know, that you know d- didn't really have a ton of ex- success. But um, I try to kind of spin it in my head to think about it as like, how cool would it be to be part of that? that first class almost right. that turns right. it around. Right. You know, it's almost like going to that college and being part of the first recruiting class for that head coach that turns the whole thing around. And uh, that's how I kind of looked at it here. We were kind of Kyle's first free agent class that, you know, hopefully you can get this thing turned around. Yeah. And then obviously it didn't turn around, at least in the beginning. Right. So what, 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 I mean, I look at it now collectively as 0-9, but obviously it's one week at a time, and yeah. I'm guessing it gets a little bit more frustrating every week. What was Definitely. what was going on for you then? Definitely super frustrating, uh, not how we expected things to start. But you'd be surprised just how positive things stayed around here. It was pretty incredible. Um, not something that uh, I was used to experiencing in Baltimore. If you know, we lost a couple games in a row. I mean, things are getting crazy in, in the facility and people are walking well, on eggshells. charge. What do you expect? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but nobody was walking on eggshells here. We were still very confident that we were moving in the right direction. Um, and, you know, every week Kyle would pull up some clips to show, huh. like, we're making progress. I swear, guys, like, just stick to it and it's going to turn around. Huh. And uh, once it did, it, man, it made it super rewarding. You know, we've heard exactly the same thing from everyone from Jed to players, et cetera, which is that you'd never know in the, from the locker room that it was an 0-9 team. And uh, I'm just curious, I, I guess, kind of hooking up the two things you said about your brain training and Kyle showing you clips of things that are going well. Was that a kind of like, um, do you think he was practicing some kind of positive psychology that worked? Yeah. Because, it, I mean, the reality was you were 0-9, and, and yet right. people seemed to think that success was coming still. Yeah, definitely. I think... You know, you don't so you don't see the positivity in in like our record. We got to find it somewhere else. So he did a great job of showing us those clips and showing us, you know, just exactly what you're doing well. And, um, you know, as a football player, if you're never getting or at least the way I work, if I'm never getting any positive feedback, I mean, that makes things really tough. So for him to do that, I know that really struck home with me to, you know, he shows me a clip from the game, a clip from practice that week where I did something really well and he points it out. I'm like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm doing something right. And it, it motivates you. I have to say, that just sounds like exactly the opposite of what lay people think about football coaches. <laughs> yeah. We think like you could have a pretty good game and then they call you and show you this is the block you missed and oh, so on. That definitely exists. <laughs> <laughs> and I've definitely been a part of that too. Um, but... I almost feel like it's more of a kind of a new age thinking of this more positive feedback. And I know it definitely resonates with me. Um, you know, I've never gotten much from a, a coach that's just screaming at me and telling me how terrible I am. I, I don't know. That just doesn't work for me. I, I like a guy that points out when I do something incorrectly, but he also rewards me when I'm doing something the right way. Yeah, that's interesting. So are there any other examples you can get? Because that's the best example we've heard of how the positivity kind of happened, which is him showing you the cuts of you doing good stuff. Can you right. think of any other examples? Uh, I mean, I just I just think about my times uh, like with the Ravens when things weren't going well. You just there was just a, a mood in the in the building, um, you know, when you're passing coaches in the in the hallway, like 
you're trying to keep it short. You're not trying to make a ton of eye contact. You just want to get moving and get through your day where here it just, it really wasn't like that. You, you, you saw your position coach and it was easy to still go talk to him. You didn't feel awkward. You know, that I didn't get any sense of that. What are your expectations for this year? I got high expectations and I expect to win. Um, I think you can already feel it just from you know, the two practices that we've had so far that uh, things feel a lot different than they did last year. Uh, there's a lot more confidence. There's a, on the offensive side, there's definitely a better understanding of the offense as a whole, you know, because we've been in it for a year. Was it a lot of relearning for you? Was it a system that took a lot of a lot of work? Well, I I played in a system that was similar, but I mean Kyle takes everything to a whole nother level. Right. Uh, so there there was a lot of learning new stuff, and yeah. I mean for anybody when you're learning something new, you just you don't react quite yeah, yeah, as fast. Yeah. You know, there's just that millisecond of hesitation, and you'd be surprised what a huge difference that can make. So can you help me reconcile this? Here's what I don't understand. I know that NFL offenses are super complex, right? Yeah. Um, that lay people, we, we literally wouldn't even understand the terminology in the play call, yeah. right, at all. And that you got 11 guys who all A, understand it, B, then execute it at the same time at lightning speed, okay? Yeah. So we know how hard that is. But then we also see that Jimmy Garoppolo comes in and after like 10 days is basically running that offense. Yeah. And winning is five games in a row. How do you explain that? That's, that's a great question. I think you really got to give Jimmy a lot of credit. Uh, I think he did such a good job of, um, I mean, he put in serious time after practice uh, with the coaches by himself. I mean, he was here all night just trying to learn this playbook. Um, And I think he also got to attribute the fact that he was able to uh, extend plays. He's able to get the ball out quickly. And, you know, people always ask, what was the difference in our offense before Jimmy and once Jimmy came along? And I think the difference was we were, we're, converting on third down. And when you convert on third down, you get to run more plays. And when you run more plays, you get to dive deeper into your playbook, playbook and, yeah. and into your uh, game plan of that week. And that's when you get to really start to exploit the defense and all that work you put in this week where, okay, we saw they were doing this, like, and we're going to take advantage of that. Well, when you're three and out, you can't really set things up, you know? Um, but when you're actually moving the ball and getting first downs, start to set things up and things really start to come together. Yeah. Um, you had a concussion last year. You said, was yeah. it during a game or yeah. practice? During, during a game. game. What happened? Um, so we were playing the uh, LA Rams. It was a uh, Thursday night game. I think it was week three. And we were on the goal line and just running a lead play and smacked my head with their linebacker. And just had a really, it was really weird. I remember it's it like sounded like, uh, like I remember hearing a noise in my head. It was almost like a like a bell, like just ringing. I felt. I remember feeling like a. Uh, I said a tuning fork, like for a guitar or something. It was weirdest feeling. Right after that play, you know, I'm pretty shook up. But we got back up to the line very quickly. We were trying to get another play in, and I remember I'm I'm sitting in the huddle and I'm like, I like I'm definitely messed up, but like. Do I sit down and like wait for the trainer or do I let's just run this next play and then I'll figure it out after that? Well, it all happened so quickly. I stayed in and I ran the next play and it was the worst decision. Um, Same thing, ran into the linebacker and that one, you know, finally put me out where I was, you know, unconscious for a second. And then 
had to, you know, get taken in by the trainers and all that kind of stuff. Wow. You regret, it sounds like you regret the decision. The second or? play, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, <laughs> I, sh- I should have taken myself out, but things happen so quickly and, you know, a little well, how bit much of, of it is also just, you know, macho. There's a little bit of pride in there, which is stupid because there shouldn't be like, you know, there's no. That's changing, I gather, in the it NFL? It definitely is changing. Like, there's no shame in, like, taking yourself out in that situation. Like, your brain is way too important for this kind of stuff. And I think I think guys are starting to understand that a lot more. But it's still, I think, so ingrained in all of us that there's a little bit of that pride that still, you know, keeps guys in there maybe a play or two longer. Had you I mean. had uh, concussions previously? Nothing officially registered. Mm, definitely. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure I had. Yeah. You know, but nothing right. uh, that I had actually done. Um, John Urschel, who we've had on the show actually a couple times. Oh, really? really I, I love him. I mean, he's Great just such guy. an interest, nice guy, yeah. interesting guy. So, you know, his decision to retire, I think, was misunderstood. It was it was more complicated than, than just, you know, I saw the report. Yeah. He'd had a concussion. I think he got in practice when he was with the Ravens. Yep. Um, I'm just curious, you know, whether his decision, whether that made you think about anything differently yourself. Uh, yeah. You know, I've, I would never take it to the point, or at least I don't think I would retire unless, you know, I started to rack up a lot, you know, a lot of concussions that's became a problem. But, um, you know, I, it's just, I, I love the game too much that I don't think I could step away from it early. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so that I don't run into that situation. That's why I'm trying to do some of these different things to really, um, strengthen the brain and just get a better understanding of it and you know all those sort of things do you meditate or have you ever yeah 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 um, does it have you noticed any effect from that as well i have um i actually i enjoy that and i mean it's nothing extensive it's you know it's maybe six to ten minutes here um mm-hmm. you know I, I try to do it at twice a, you try twice twice a day or uh usually just once yeah. before i usually do it before i go to bed mm-hmm. um at the very least i, I try to do it um the night before games, but I I, I do a pretty good job of it. Um, Tell us something about being a professional athlete or more specifically, uh, you know, an NFL fullback that you think most people just have no concept of or wouldn't understand or maybe appreciate maybe. I think a lot of people, um, I don't think they understand the amount of time that's put in outside of Sunday. You know, I think people, a lot of people, they know we practice, they know uh, we work out, but I don't think they realize that like during our phase two of our off season program, we're only blocked for four hours. I'm here for eight, nine hours, right. you know, like we're only required to be here for that four, but I don't think people realize just how much time is really spent in this facility. Have you been on teams where most guys would only be there for the minimum? Uh, I want to, Baltimore was pretty good. Like most of the guys were putting in that extra time, but I, I would still say like, it doesn't really compare to, to here. Mm-hmm. I think they do such a good job of, uh, they, there's so much available for us here. Like what? I mean, as far as uh, our nutrition is like off the chain, it's, it's incredible. Um, there's so much information available there. Uh, I mean, the food is great. So, I mean, I do a lot with our dietitian where, um, I mean, right now we're doing like a, uh, it's another kind of a brain study. We're doing, um, DHA supplement, uh, tests, but you know, like I have that available. I have the brain test available. Um, our training room is 
or our medical staff is so great about, I can go in there and ask for anything. I can get cupping, I can get grass in, I can get acupuncture. I can just get a massage flush uh, if I need it, you know, hot tub, cold, hot tub, cold tub, sauna, uh, steam room. We got the weight room is all, always available. We got cryotherapy there. What's cryotherapy? Uh, it's the it's a chamber that they pump. Uh, I think it's nitrogen gas, okay. and they're super cold. Yeah, and you're in there for like three minutes yeah. and drops your body temperature oh. super low. So tell us some. Uh, let me just ask you about a, a a series of um. Give me like what you're doing Monday at 10 a.m. Typically during game during the season. During the season, yeah. uh, so that's Mondays uh, are like body maintenance. Every cut, right? Is Monday Tuesday's your off day here then? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> um, Monday at, at 10 a.m. probably getting a massage. Okay. Uh, Friday at noon. Friday at noon, we're on the field. Okay. Um, Sunday, let's say 8 a.m. with a 1 p.m. game. Um, Probably starting to get up and uh, get ready for breakfast. Okay. At the team hotel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Then what about Sunday night, let's say? Uh, Sunday night after the game? Yeah, after the game. Um, You know, it depends if somebody's in town for the game. Usually there is somebody, so we're probably grabbing dinner. Gotcha. Somewhere with, uh, you know, a friend or family that's visiting. Yeah, right. Uh, Thanks. It was great to talk to you. Really great talking to you guys, too. Thanks to Kyle Juszczyk, Mike McGlinchey, Joe Staley, and Jimmy Garoppolo for taking the time to sit down with us. And special thanks to Bob Lang, VP of Communications for the 49ers, who made all these 49ers interviews happen. If you haven't already, be sure to listen to our Freakonomics Radio episode number 350 about the 49ers. It's one of our regular weekly episodes that are released every Wednesday at 11 p.m. Eastern Time. And you can find more full interviews like these here on Stitcher Premium. Let us know what you think. You can find Freakonomics Radio on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or email us at radio at Freakonomics.com. Freakonomics Radio is produced by Stitcher and Dubner Productions. Our staff includes Allison Craiglow, Greg Rippin, Greg Rosalski, Alvin Melleth, Harry Huggins, Zach Lipinski, and Andy Meisenheimer. Our Hidden Side of Sports series was produced by Andres Kelto and Derek John. The music you hear throughout our episodes was composed by Luis Guerra. Our show can also be heard on NPR stations across the country. Check your local station for the schedule, as well as on Sirius XM, Spotify, and even your better airlines. Stitcher. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Freakonomics Radio is sponsored by Marriott. Town Place Suites by Marriott has all the comforts of home. Cook up a meal in a full kitchen, unpack and stay organized with the in-room alpha closet system, plus bring your pet and have your best friend by your side. Town Place Suites by Marriott has all the amenities you need to feel at home during your stay. Find the comforts of home at Town Place Suites. 
go there with Marriott Bonvoy.